Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of the Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by some of the brightest minds in all of the gambling industry. This week, we have Forbes contributor Dustin Galker on the episode with us here, and we also have Eric Ramsey. Dustin, do you like being called Forbes contributor? Uh, I do. I need I need an appearance fee now for the podcast, but um, I am still happy to be here. Eric was probably scheduled to be at some exotic location this week. He made some time for us. Eric, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, from the confines of home again. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> um, guys, listen, we are on iTunes, so please subscribe, rate, review, do all those things. This podcast will show up on your phone automatically or in your iTunes account automatically if you subscribe, so you don't have to remember to come listen to all this awesomeness every week. And, of course, every five-star review counts and makes us feel so incredibly important and loved, so we would thank you if you would give us those as well. And a review... If you have nice things to say, I mean, just, you know, only like, like you can, if you don't like us, just let's not do that. That sounds, are we still five star? Have you looked? We are, we are for, for yeah, now, let's go, you know, for the time being we are for now. So let's just leave it at that. And we'll, we'll go on <laughs> from there. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about New Jersey numbers. They have come in Delaware numbers as well. We'll talk about uh, a new story that was pretty big that we've talked about on the podcast before, but it's now official and some things have come out from there. And we'll also talk about uh, the world series of poker as it wraps up here in las vegas but to kick things off as always some quick hits here we'll talk about a state watch dustin talk about colorado and iowa for us yeah we got a couple things brewing two states that appear to be on the the front burner for next year uh iowa um, one lawmaker says everybody is quote unquote all in on sports betting now whether you believe that or not is is subject to the eye of the beholder um i will say that not not everybody in the state is probably all in but they are saying a lot of good things about about what's going on uh in iowa so uh look for them in 2019 same thing going on in colorado um they're kind of setting the stage for a long uh, in 2019, uh, lots of uh, lots of interest, lots of people talking about it. So um, nothing this year, as far as we can tell, in either of the states, but um, two states that we will move to the top of our list for tracking next year. If you want to read the full stories there, I'll, as always, LegalSportsReport.com, and you can get the full story there on Colorado and Iowa. Some interesting things came out of the tennis world this week. Pinnacle Sports first reported that a first-round men's doubles match due to a late surge in betting odds. And they, when they did that, the pinnacle manager, Sam Gomersall, I'm going to go with. I probably <laughs> think that's wrong, but that's what we're going to go with. Said the company noticed a set of mysterious bets from, quote, accounts with a history of wagering on suspicious matches. Eric, we've talked about this with tennis before. It's some of the reasons why, especially in the smaller tournaments, the, uh, the maximum amount that you can wager is so incredibly small as well because – uh, you know, listen, it's an individual sport and you can probably tank a tennis match easier than you can just about any sport there is out there because you can still look like you're playing hard and lose and whatnot. Uh, you wrote up this story. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, I hate to say we expect this in the lower levels of tennis, but certainly, like you said, this is something we're kind of becoming accustomed to uh, in tennis. But at this level at Wimbledon, it's, you know, certainly catches our eye to hear, uh, hear tale of this. This was a doubles match during the first round last week. Uh, Pinnacle says they got a bunch of action late that skewed the lines and made them uh, first restrict their action and then possibly pull the action. Um, they're the ones who notified tennis and the authorities what was going on. Uh, the match played out and the the losing team, you know, another uh, investigator said the losing team has has repeatedly been under investigation for for some of the similar things. Um, Marrero, David Marrero, one of the players involved, has been publicly accused of throwing matches at least twice before. You know, looking into the story, I 
I know that tennis has a history of corruption, but really just kind of going through some of these cases, there are dozens of cases of potential match f- fixing and players being suspended and banned, umpires being suspended and banned. This is a huge problem in tennis, a real, real big problem, even all the way up to the highest level of the game, apparently. Yeah, and if you take a look at this, I mean, one of the other guys listed, Fernando Verdasco, I mean, he's a guy, if you are any sort of tennis fan whatsoever, you definitely recognize his name. He has made some waves in the singles uh, throughout the last decade or so. I mean, the guy is ranked number 34 in the world as we speak right now in singles. So this is a guy that, you know, you're going to see as a seed and draws and different things like that in different tournaments that you're watching. So, a uh, pretty big accusation against a guy like him. I mean, he is on the tail end of his career here. Once you kind of reach that that early 30s, mid 30s, uh, definitely in tennis, that's pretty much the end of of your career. And so, I mean, uh, you know, you you don't want to think that guys this high up are doing things like this, but you look at it and at the end of the day, especially in doubles, um, maybe it's one of those things where he's not really that committed to doubles. He's not really that into it. Uh, the money obviously is much smaller in doubles than it is in singles. And so you look at a guy like Verdasco and uh, it's it's pretty interesting whenever you get those uh, accusations coming up against him there. Is this, Dustin, is this why the leagues really and truly, I mean, isn't this case example why they should want to just keep at, at arm's length from sports betting? Because if you have any sort of actual true ties to any of this, then, you know, at, at some crazy level, you're you're culpable whenever things like this happen. I think it's at least why they don't want it to be called a quote unquote integrity fee, probably, because if you're linking the money that you're getting to integrity, don't you have you have some kind of obligation then to make sure like you're you should have a tie to the integrity and like making betters whole if if there's something going wrong that's going sideways on the bet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want anything, you know, I wouldn't want money directly from sports betting coming to my league for quote unquote integrity. And I think, yeah, I mean, uh, the ATP is actually in uh, and WTA have stayed out of this so far. Um, and yeah, probably because they don't want that those optics of saying, hey, give us money from sports betting because, you know, it's. It's just a bad look. Yeah. ATP actually has its own tennis integrity unit, the TIU, to monitor these sorts of things. And they didn't catch this. They haven't caught these sorts of things. It's books. Bookmakers are the ones that are identifying these problems. So tennis is trying, but uh, but what they're doing is not working so far. Yeah. And tennis really is the only sport that you have this like really glaring problem, because whenever you look at it, like even golf being an individual sport, um, like you can't really, you know, you're not tanking a match necessarily in golf. And then further from that, uh, golf, if you don't make the cut, you, you don't get paid. And in tennis, if you just show up, I mean, even a first round loss, you're still getting paid. Um, unless you're getting an appearance fee in golf, which that is really reserved typically just for the highest of the high guys over there. And they're not going to be tanking anything anyway, because they're making millions upon millions of dollars. So, um, it's a very interesting thing in tennis and it probably something that as these States continue to move forward with making laws and as they become more versed in sports betting and whatnot, we might see tennis kind of mentioned as one of those sports where they want a cap of some sort, as far as betting goes and things like that. And to be perfectly honest with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I don't think that I don't think regulating stuff where there is at least a much higher chance for any shadiness going on is all that bad of an idea. 
Yeah, and look, this is the other, the other thing. People are going to use this as a reason to not have sports betting. This is absolutely the reason to have legal and regulated sports betting because this is, you know, a bookmaker coming out and saying this. You know, offshore books aren't coming out and, and flagging this with with the regulators and the leagues. This is this is the this is the good part. We can you can crack down on this because if somebody's trying to do this through a regulated book, they can stop it and 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 flag it. And that's this is this is why we want regulated sports betting in the U.S. I think. On to New Jersey here, the place that Eric is frequenting these days. I think he's <laughs> My got second a, home. I think he's got a condo on the beach there. He's hanging out with the Jersey Shore crew and all the things like that. Might probably see him on season 12 or whatever whatever season they're probably on on that show. Um, side note, have you have you been to M- have you been to MTV and how long has it been since your since your dial's actually been on MTV? <laughs> oh man uh decades probably yeah, since I, i've I, watched mtv i mean seriously right i, I know it's just it's, it's crazy whenever you bring that stuff up all right new jersey betters wager 16.4 million through the first 17 days of legal new jersey sports betting recorded less than three just less than 3.5 million in total revenue of course this includes futures bets they hadn't been paid out yet so those are you know there's a little caveat there a little star but um fill us in whoever wants to take this on uh on what's going on there in new jersey yeah, I'll give you the start of it. The thing that jumps off the page is that Monmouth Park uh, was responsible for about two thirds of the total total revenue in the state. It more than or it essentially doubled the total from the other two operators combined. That's Borgata and the Ocean Resort of the other two properties with sports betting. Uh, as you like to remind me of, I was at Monmouth Park for opening day. It was packed in there. Uh, we suspected there was maybe a million dollars in handle that day. Looks like that was probably a pretty good guess. Um, they took eight million of the 16 million dollars in bets this month. Yeah, and and Dustin, you know, in our in our Slack chat, uh, someone brought up that it looked like that those numbers weren't very big. To me, actually, it kind of jumped off the page as, as as really big. To be perfectly honest with you, because when we're looking at when they launched and what was actually going on in the sports world, I mean, you're basically looking at at you know nothing but baseball here. So there are no real other revenue drivers and, and bet drivers really that are going on right now. So I actually saw these numbers and and was was pretty shocked at how big they were. Yeah, look, there's this is a really small sample size, new product. There's all sorts of variables here. It's like it's like everybody has the temptation of make, making these big proclamations out of what happened. But this is the first like two weeks of sports betting. There's no online. There's been no there's little to no marketing run up uh, for any of this. So like I think, like, you know, I, I see, you know, uh, millions of dollars in revenue, 15, 16 million dollars in handle. I think that's a good start. Like we, we were, we also obviously have more months of the summer. We have to, to build up the product, kind of everybody get familiar with it. And then we have NFL. And, you know, I think we, once we get into NFL season and we start to see where the rubber meets the road and what's actually going to happen, everybody's going to have sports books open presumably by then. And we'll have some online products. So uh, this is a, just a very small sliver of what we're going to see in New Jersey as well. Yeah. And Eric, you mentioned Monmouth Park. And, uh, you know, one of the things is, you know, anyone that's ever been to Atlantic City, you've been to Borgata. Obviously, it's super nice. It's basically a, you know, a smaller version of a Vegas casino that's on the East Coast over there and things like that. Uh, and you wonder how these numbers are where they are. But, I, you know, for me, the conclusion I draw is the proximity to New York City when it comes to, to Monmouth. Obviously, we're, we're talking about like an hour, 20-ish minute drive, something like that. Uh, what say you? What do you think that the, the difference is there? Yeah, that's got to be a big part of it, um, and certainly something that bodes well for the Meadowlands as it opens the sports book this weekend under FanDuel branding. Uh, but I also, you know, it's also worth mentioning that it's a horse racing track where hundreds, maybe thousands of people walk past the betting windows every day. 
uh, at Monmouth Park. Borgata Sportsbook is sort of tucked in the corner over there by the poker room. Uh, it's not a place you really stumble across if you're walking through the casino, uh, whereas at Monmouth Park, anywhere you go on that property, you're going to see a board with with betting lines on it. Dustin, did anything jump off the page there to you, or do you think it's just one of those normal things where, you know, proximity to the major city, uh, Atlantic City is, you know, maybe isn't that, uh, maybe, maybe isn't hopping this time of year in the summer or something like that? Is there anything that we're not, are we reading too much into this, or do you think it's just kind of is what it is? You know, if I'm going to take some kind of bigger thing out of it from the small amount of data is that uh, this is a big opportunity for racing tracks. People are already going to to a track to watch horse racing, uh, bet on horses. They're already betting on an event that they're watching. And, and the pace of horse racing is obviously not super fast. Like you're betting on horses. You want to hop over to the sports book and bet on something there, too. It makes a lot of sense. So I think what we can learn from this, and it might not always bear out, is that the tracks have a, have a real possibility of if they can all if they can be a, get a slice of the I have a real chance to, to make some real money to try to turn around their fortunes in the horse racing industry. And we saw that in Delaware too. I think, you know, Delaware average handle per capita was, you know, kind of, kind of more than we might've expected. It's actually bigger than New Jersey for the, for, for the first few days. So once again, more data would have to come more, more stuff to come. But, you know, I'd say this represents a big opportunity for horse racing is maybe the biggest thing I, I take away from all of it. Yeah, we'll talk about Delaware in just a second here. But before we get out of New Jersey, we talk about Patty Power Betfair. Uh, Eric, you just mentioned the FanDuel Sportsbook opening at Meadowlands. Uh, one of the things here is, uh, you know, another big European company, Bet365, has uh, made an announcement. They're going to have a partnership as well. And if, if you've followed gaming whatsoever at all over the last, uh, you know, little while, certainly you're familiar with the Bet365 brand, one of the very biggest ones out there, one of the more trustworthy ones out there, more reputable uh, that is going on. But what's going on with Bet365, Eric? Yeah, Bet365 uh, has some sort of partnership with Hard Rock Atlantic City. We're not exactly sure the details, but uh, presumably this is just a skin deal. Bet365 is a, a customer-facing uh, bookmaker. They provide their services directly to customers, so it's unlikely they'll be supplying Hard Rock with a sports book, but they will likely uh, launch an online and mobile app on the back of Hard Rock's license in the in the near future, we'd assume. And you kind of mentioned it there a little bit, uh, Dustin, but let's give Delaware their just due. Let's give them an entire little mini segment here. Tell us about the Delaware numbers and, and any of your takeaways there. Yeah, Delaware, uh, you know, they made a million dollars on seven million dollars handle in the first 20 days of operation. You know, Delaware, we, we as we I think we made fun of in past episodes is a pretty small state. So like, seeing those numbers uh, in, in, like you said, the dead of kind of the sports betting season uh, looks good. It's uh, there were some like I think the number was 70, something like 70,000 wagers placed uh, over those 20 days. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, Delaware Park uh, closest to Philadelphia did the bulk of that. Uh, I'm not sure on percentage terms. But like something like two thirds, is that right, Eric? Yeah, right about there. So yeah, it's uh yeah. I mean, I, I think there's nothing nothing bad to take away from Delaware. Uh, they they uh, need to have online as well. They're right now they're only land based wagering as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they move into the mobile slash online sphere as well. Uh, Eric, during football season, how often are you going to pop down to your condo in Delaware to take in the best? <laughs> it depends. On beach. Meadowlands might be closer, you know. <laughs> Just pop down there and and put in a few wagers. Um. So Patty Power Betfair, we mentioned obviously the big news 
news of them acquiring FanDuel. That is now official. They sent out a couple of different emails. This one to the people that had FanDuel accounts today marks the beginning of a new phase in the evolution of sports gaming. Beginning today, we will be one company FanDuel group featuring a number of brands that you love. FanDuel, TVG Network, Betfair, Casino, and Draft. What does this mean for you? You will not see any changes to FanDuel for the time being. You will still have access to all the contests and games you have grown to love and look forward to bringing you new games, features, and a host of sports betting products for this NFL season. Of course, the same company is Betfair. To their New Jersey customers, their casino customers there, send an email pretty similar. We're combining our expert teams in online casino and daily fantasy sports to bring you the very best in online gaming. We look forward to leading the way in casino and daily fantasy sports and are also proud to announce FanDuel Sportsbook will be arriving in the near future. You'll not see any changes to your Betfair Casino for the time being. You can continue to enjoy your favorite online games in New Jersey. We'll be in touch in the near future with additional information on the FanDuel Sportsbook launch. But Eric, you just mentioned it. When is that FanDuel Sportsbook launch? That launch is Saturday, 9.30 a.m. They open the betting windows down there in East Rutherford. So if you want to take in some FanDuel action on the sports side of things, you can go ahead and do that there, which is pretty interesting. You know, we touched on it a little bit. Uh, as far as brand recognition and things go, like uh, them choosing to go with the FanDuel branding, them choosing to go with FanDuel, getting everything going there in New Jersey. Um, Dustin, do we have any sort of update? Do we have any sort of at least maybe any inside information? Because I know you get snuck emails all the time. People send you middle of the night text as to things that are going on. Um, what the what the apps might look like for let's even call it DraftKings and FanDuel that are going to be uh, operating there in New Jersey? Do you have any sort of insight into that stuff? No, I mean DraftKings. We're still waiting for a product. They've kind of been on radio silence. I'm sure they're putting their heads down trying to get something ready for launch. Um, we you know the, we now we know you can now take sports bets uh, online, but they're still working through logistics, the regulatory stuff. So you know we might see uh, you know wagering from somebody online as soon as next week. Fanduel. I mean, we presume we're going to see kind of like the Betfair platform with the Fanduel branding. Um, I don't I don't know why they'd reinvent the wheel. They have a have a, 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 a betting platform that you and UK and Europe where that's pretty successful. So I think, I think that's what we'll see. Um, I also don't know whether it's going to be baked into the FanDuel app. That seems, I think, as we've discussed previously, kind of unlikely that it's going to probably have to be a separate app for the sports betting product. So, um, and just as an aside, can we, can we take a wonder at kind of where we're at FanDuel like three or four months ago before this happened, like was just kind of second place in DFS. We didn't know what was going to go on with them. Now they have FanDuel sports books opening up everywhere. This is, uh, this is uh, I think I think we're just kind of in the in the weeds with all this. And it's kind of, it's kind of a, uh, an amazing thing to ponder, like FanDuel Sportsbook is going to be one of the main brands we're going to start seeing uh, in sports betting across the U.S. and um, kind of a reversal of fortunes for FanDuel for sure. Yeah, it is. It was definitely on life support there for the longest time. And, you know, I had heard rumors. You had heard rumors. There were all, all sorts of people kind of kicking the tires there for, you know, the acquisition of FanDuel. And, and you know, I came to the conclusion that. It was because they were on life support. I mean, DraftKings obviously probably had the, well, not even probably, I I think you could certainly say had the bigger brand, had the bigger, you know, more people talking about it, certainly more people going through there on a daily basis. We saw that as far as the contests and different things that were going on. But, you know, with FanDuel being probably a similar database of customers, probably, you know, a little bit older than DraftKings as well. uh, It seems like FanDuel kind of got the good end of the stick here by being the one that was on life support. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, other than you know the story that we wrote last yeah. week about Fanduel founders and, and employees not really getting any money out of the out of the sale, like Fanduel's in a, in a I think really strong position now. Suddenly they have the backing of Patty Power Betfair for marketing. They have a sports betting platform. DraftKings is working on theirs. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I put you know I like Fanduel's position right now. I mean, DraftKings has a better has a better brand, but um, you know I like. Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty worried if I was DraftKings right now. I, I imagine they're scrambling around pretty hard. You know, they were the first DFS company to sort of confirm that they were going to enter sports betting, but they have been passed completely by by FanDuel now. Uh, DraftKings is still trying to hire a team and put together some sort of platform. Meanwhile, we have a, a major gaming company injecting all of its resources into into DraftKings major competitors. So I would imagine there's some, some nervous uh, energy flowing around the DraftKings offices these days. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, you can't, you couldn't be located there in Boston in those offices and be happy with the things that have gone on basically in the last six weeks. You can't really be happy about how things have gone over there for for FanDuel. And of course, entering football season, you know, DFS numbers uh, tick up as well. And you know, who knows? Maybe with there being FanDuel sports books, maybe that kind of gets the word out and and they start to level off a little bit on the DFS side as well. So it could be very interesting there. Uh, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper, he would be the new owner because the old one was a uh, predator, uh, is, is now uh, coming out and saying some stuff on sports betting and TV ratings, which are just completely absurd. He, uh, this is a quote here. I also think this thing we talked about a little before called gambling is going to make ratings go down. I just have a feeling about that, okay? You may know more about it than me, but that's my feeling. Guess what, David? We definitely do know more than you about this whenever it comes to it. There are actual studies that have gone on. There are things that you can basically, I mean, even anecdotal things that are going on with people who gamble and people who play DFS and different things like that. But Dustin, what happened when you read this comment for the first time? Well, I actually went back and listened listen to the comments uh, during his presser, and you know, people were making excuses, saying, "Oh, he's being sarcastic." Oh, I he mean, was, of, of course, you uh, went back and listened to it. I mean, you're a Forbes contributor. Why, you, yeah, you're not, you're not reading, you're not reading someone else's thing. I mean, you're going back and listening <laughs> to it, yeah, firsthand, obviously. <laughs> but people were like, "Oh, it's taken out of context." Oh, I think he just misspoke. Oh, uh, it was just sarcasm. Like it was none of those things. I you, you listen to what he actually said, and he like it sounds like he's. I mean, Unless he just totally misspoke, which is, I guess, is possible. He said sports betting is going to make ratings go down, which is an absolutely uh, ridiculous sentiment to have. Um, uh, you know, he also said that, you know, that sports betting is happening because of a, a law that passed, which is also not true. Look, uh, billionaires are obviously generally pretty smart people. They've made a lot of money. That doesn't mean they know everything about every single thing that's going on in the world. They, so like this, like uh, he's obviously aware of sports betting, but he I don't know if he really has done a whole lot of deep thinking about how it's going to impact his business eric and then he went on to tell us why uh he felt that way oh never mind no he didn't he didn't actually say that at all he didn't he didn't give us any insight as to why he thought that he just said it and then moved on he didn't and there were some weird weird half-baked comments about making sure he keeps fans in the building when sports betting is legal i don't i'm not sure where he was going with that (laughs) also keep in mind he's in north carolina uh, a state that does have one casino but any gambling expansion is pretty far down the line there it seems so Probably not much for him to worry about, regardless. Here, yeah, I had a I had a little uh, a little thing that I was involved in uh, the last few days, and uh, some of the guys there just to keep this guy to, just to kind of like give you again anecdotal situation here. Some of the guys decided that they were going to get together and go to the Las Vegas Aces game, which was the WNBA team, the new team here in Las Vegas. 
And I would guess amongst the handful of people, uh, no names named here, but uh, all of pretty high net worth and all of uh, definitely people who like to gamble, that more money was gambled on the Las Vegas Aces that night than probably the entire season combined because all of them had action on the game. They were all uh, betting the, the Aces and rooting for the home team and like getting into the game and different things like that. I mean, getting people in the building and then keeping them there, there is no better way than, than, than sports betting or you know even daily fantasy sports or any of that stuff that, that's going on here so you know not only do we have studies out there that have proven this with surveys taken and different things like that but I mean even anecdotally you can talk to anyone who plays fantasy football and why you're watching the Thursday night game between the Browns and the Jets is because you know you 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 happen to have you know Josh Gordon I mean like seriously that's the only reason you're watching that game and you know these comments like you said he can't be on top of everything I'm sure he is a very important and busy man and knows his primary line of business very very well but I mean, you just see these comments and it just kind of makes you shake your head yeah. we're getting pretty used to these bad takes at least we've had them from lawmakers and from team owners and from pretty much everyone that has a stake or a say about sports betting we've heard we've heard bad takes across the board so nothing new here unfortunately the Las Vegas Rio Casino here off of Flamingo is rocking and rolling and has been for about the last six weeks, but it is coming to an end here. The World Series of Poker main event is going to be wrapping up in a few days. Hopefully not by the time that you listen to this because you have subscribed and you get this directly to your phone and therefore you listen to it as soon as it's on your phone. But it may be over by the time you listen to this uh, again Huge, huge field, second biggest of all time. They it's still paying out over $8 million to first place, even though they flattened out the payout structure. So uh, really good things to come out of it over there. And we're down to the final nine as of recording of this. And Joe Cata is still in. You might remember that name because he is a former main event champion. Eric, were you watching last night? Dustin, were you watching last night how they went from 10, 10 players to nine players? Don't call me out. I was in bed. Apologies. But I did wake up and read the hand history this morning. Did did I count? Dustin, were you watching at least? I was not watching either. You were watching. I was following along on social media yeah. and, and trying to provide spoilers for people yeah. who were, were streaming it. Yeah. So we're, you know, you're watching along and you, you, you got to understand here. It's such a huge bubble, not only the, for, for the fact that you can say that you made the actual final table, the television final table of the World Series of Poker, but also because now you're guaranteed a million dollars once you get to that top nine. And the hand that basically a lot of people, if you've ever played online poker, people say that it only happens when you play online. It was aces versus kings versus kings. They all get it all in. And of course, the kings do not improve. The guy with the shortest stack was actually drawing completely dead. Both of his suits were covered up by the aces. So he had a 0% chance of winning the hand and went ahead and busted and goes out in 10th place with kings at the 10-person final table of the World Series of Poker main event. Eric, I imagine if I were to make it that deep that I would go out in some sort of similar fashion because that just seems to be how I go out of tournaments. Can you just imagine finding aces in that spot with, uh, you know, a third of the chips in play or whatever on the <laughs> table playing for playing for $8.8 million? What a spot. Yeah, it should... Uh, 
It's kind of good, too, because it's given us at least a battle atop the chip counts here. We had a runaway chip leader in Dyer for a long time, so now we have some competition up there. Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's incredible. You, If if you, if you, I didn't know more about poker, I would think that hand was set up because it was <laughs> pretty incredible. It's just absolutely crazy. Now, this Joe Cata run here, Dustin, whenever you start looking at, at things here, and, of course, we talked about Michael Mizraki and, and his you know winning the Poker Players Championship for the third time, which is, again, just absolutely crazy. But Joe Cata making the final ta- final table here, We're talking about this isn't back in the day, right? I mean, listen, there have been amazing feats in the main event before. I mean, obviously, there have been people who have won it multiple times and whatnot. But the fields went absolutely crazy, uh, you know, of late. And Joe Cata came along in that era when the fields had gone absolutely crazy. And so now we're talking about a guy who's beaten, you know, over 7000 people a couple of times now. Uh, to me, this is kind of right up there. I mean, I understand nothing is guaranteed. He certainly could go out ninth here. But to to make it back to another final table in this era of these massive multi-thousand person fields is, is pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 2009 champ. Uh, he's only 30 years old now. It's a... Uh... I would. Yeah. If he wins again, uh, that's impressive. I mean, you can't I mean, you can't just be good to win. You obviously have to be pretty lucky to make to, to do this run. But you can't just, you know, show up and and, and play and hope to hope to win a couple of uh, main event titles. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Joe winning. If he were to win again, that would be uh, probably one of the one of the most amazing feats in, in poker history, I'd say. I was talking to a couple of, of big name guys. I played in this thing called the Gambling Olympics the past couple of days, uh, a couple of the people that were in that uh, high stakes huge huge super high stakes pro brandon adams also the main event champion from last year scott blumstein was was also in the thing and so i was talking to these guys about this run and and they they too were talking about how just incredible it is to mix the combination of the two like you said dustin i mean and actually at the end of the day three because you know certainly you have to play at an incredibly high level but at the same time you have to uh, avoid making the you know, bad mistakes as well, because that's the the thing that beats a lot of people is you talk yourself into a certain situation and then you just make this one bad play and you're gone forever. And then also running incredibly lucky. They were saying it's, you know, just stuff like this is you, you might not see very, very often, if ever again, because the these fields, if they continue to to top these, you know, 7,000, 8,000 player fields, uh, that's just it's, it's not something that's, that's very highly likely to to really ever happen again. So good luck to him as well. Now, while this was all going on, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, we'll go ahead and uh, tell you now, unlike Dustin, who popped in and spoiled <laughs> and spoiled and spoiled the live stream for everybody last night who was watching oh. because, yeah, yeah, he read on Twitter what happened and then just popped it in for everyone who was watching the live stream. And it didn't happen until about 25 minutes later. Phil Helmuth won his bracelet uh, number 15, and that is quite the accomplishment. Puts him five above the next people on the list there, Eric. Listen, you've had experiences with Phil. I've had experiences with Phil, um, you know, for good or for, for, for bad. And, you know, people call him a cartoon character and different things like that. But if you want to just take pure accomplishments, winning 15 bracelets is 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 absolutely like like strip out the personality, strip out all the antics, strip out everything like that. One of the greatest, if not the greatest poker accomplishments there is. Yeah, I'll probably lose some cred in the poker community, or at least among some people for saying this, but he's got to be in the conversation as best no limit hold'em tournament player in history. I think, you know, some pros would probably agree with that. Uh, some of the older school pros, especially 15 bracelets, 23 million in earnings. You know, he has a bracelet in in a game other than hold'em 2, Raz. Um, 
wants to get to 25 or 30 bracelets in his career. Yeah, the subject of controversy, even this summer, he's, you know, just a couple of days ago, he was involved in a situation where he uh, sort of dis- disclosed the contents of his hand with action behind him and caused a little row on Twitter. Uh, controversy always seems to find him. But if you're if you're looking for someone to uh, to study No Limit Hold'em from, you could do a lot worse than than watching Helmuth play. Dustin, as a fan of 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 poker, but not a diehard fan, just a person that likes watching poker play, what is your feeling of Phil Helmuth? Like, I, I'm wondering if someone who doesn't watch as much as as I do does does he rub you the wrong way or is it am I just dealing with Helmuth fatigue essentially I don't know I I don't mind him as much as some people I don't I don't love everything that he does but you know well well, for better or worse we've been talking about Phil Helmuth right for for two weeks since uh the entrance uh the overblown entrance that some people didn't like or or did like uh into the main event to yeah the, the the blow up that that Eric mentioned like you know, if nothing else, Phil is interesting, I guess. Like he's, uh, you know, if we had a bunch of, you know, tanking players with sunglasses and, and headphones in, uh, it poker would be less fun. So I, I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't love I don't love or hate him. Um, I could do with some, out some of it. Uh, and, I, and I like some of what he brings to the game. But I am I'm not I'm not a hater. and I'm not an apologist either, though. Right. Uh, Eric, I guess last thing here on this and we'll move on to our to our little closer here. But. I guess for me, at the end of the day, if I had to say, do I want a world with or without Phil Helmuth, I guess I would still have to say with, because at the end of the day, kind of one of the points that Dustin brings up is the truth. I mean, he is a guy that will talk at the table. He is a guy that, you know, yeah, sometimes it's it's ragging on someone for playing, but he'll also have conversations with people at the table and do different things like that. And there are a lot of people who are kind of statues these days, don't want to interact, don't want to do things. I do get a little Helmuth fatigue because I think it's one of those things where if you continually focus on just the, you know, the, the 10 players that basically they do, which is Antonio, Helmuth, Negreanu, Ivy, whatever, even though Ivy doesn't talk, you know, everyone loves to have Ivy <laughs> on television and, and whatnot. Um, it's kind of hard to build any, any new stars, right? It's really hard to, to create a narrative whenever you've got the, the, the broadcast on Negreanu all day long or the broadcast on Helmuth all day long. And then they bust at the end of the day. And then, and now you're, you're, where's your storyline? So I understand that it's, it's walking a, a tight line there to try to give the super casual person what they want, but then also try to look at maybe a little bit of the future. Um, do you feel like, do you feel like the, where poker broadcasts have gotten right now is too old school pro friendly and not enough, making of the next of the next Phil Helmuth or the next Negreanu? I think ESPN is actually doing a pretty good job of that with the the commentary team they've had and the sort of the way they're presenting uh, the broadcast this year. A lot more live play, a lot more coverage. That sort of helps bridge that gap. But I think as far as the primetime ESPN audience, I think we need to still be looking at Helmuth and Negreanu for 90 percent of the camera time. This is still what the casual poker fan wants. And poker, the poker uh economy isn't healthy enough that we can afford to to be catering only to the hardcore community so uh you know we say all the time that we we need characters in poker guess what we got phil helmuth he's about the biggest character we got uh he's still a big draw for the game but you know you see if you look at his twitter mentions it's filled with people that are not in the poker community these are not players these are fans of his and uh you know poker really needs that honestly 
Absolutely. Yeah, there's, he's a polarizing guy. You just you love him or hate him. Like people have an opinion on him. I, you know that that part I think is good for poker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the worst thing you can be is indifferent, right? You want people to love you or hate you. If they're indifferent, then you're not moving the needle one way or the and other. And having met him, I think you've met him too. He's yeah. he seems like a nice guy to me. He's always come across well to me. I, I I'm not sure he quite understands how he comes across sometimes. I think of him <laughs> like Alan Kessler. I like I like Alan Kessler too. But he annoys me because I don't think he knows how he comes across. I don't think he means he doesn't. I think I think he means well, but uh, but yeah, it gets under your skin sometimes. Yeah, you know. Anytime anyone says anything about Helmuth, I say I don't necessarily think he's a bad guy. I just think he's clueless, and I yeah. I, I say that a lot of times. So before we get out of here, uh, real quick, a Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson match for ten million dollars that has been floated out there. Uh, and listen, it made a ton of news, mainstream news. I mean, everybody uh, latched on to this. Dustin, when you read this, uh, did you just get as excited as I did? Because let's be for real. I mean, uh, uh, people of our age, you know, uh, people that were born around the time we were born, Tiger and Phil were uh, were the guys and probably still in our in our eyes or still are the guys. And, you know, a 10 million heads up match in golf. Uh, sign me up. I don't know about you. Yeah, I want to bet all the money on this. I want to be. I want to. I think the first reaction is like, I want to be on a phone, live betting. Who's going to win the next hole if this happens? This is yes. this is amazing. This is and this is what golf should be doing. Like there a long time ago, there was like I think it was like Fred Couples and John Daly played a played a heads up match. I don't I forget how much money, but like this is a like there's no reason not to do this if you're golf. It's it like highlights your game, your best players one on one. You don't have you know randos winning some tournaments. Like this is. This is an awesome thing for golf, and it's going to be at a, a betting event more than anything else. Like there is going to be, you know, uh, not not a whole lot of uh, legal U.S. betting yet, but this is on the offshore books, and you know, in Europe, this is going to be a heavily bet event. Yeah, Eric, are you? Uh, do you favor a side right now? I can't. I'm so excited. I can't even talk right now. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened. Uh, yeah, it seems like the seems like the Tigers, the favorite in the opening lines. But um, I don't know. Ask me again when we get closer to the match time. The uh, Tigers, uh, Tigers mood and physical abilities seem to fluctuate by the week here. So uh, ask me again when we're closer when we have a date for this thing yeah i'm taking i'm taking lefty give me lefty all right i like it i like it we should we should just go ahead and just book it now and then and then we'll no matter what the line is because i'll I'll do it at even money we'll talk about this offline um i did talk to a a a bookmaker who said that he would not be surprised if there was a long enough lead time and enough uh promotion around this which i can't imagine that there wouldn't be it's going to be all over sports media and even just pop culture that he would not be surprised if the handle on this was that equal to a major tournament. And that's uh, pretty crazy. But again, you know, these one-off events, we talk about this all the time, you know, these standalones, the Monday night footballs and things like that just generate massive amounts uh, of handle. And this would be basically kind of a one-off event, probably some 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 sort of way in prime time on a major network. Uh, it would not surprise me if the handle for this was was astronomical. Yeah, I think it's I think it would be off the charts. But yeah, you put this on prime time. Um, yeah, not again, like before football season happens. I mean, even if even if it happens, you can put it, you know, I, I think it does great. I think it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's the dream matchup. Like this is if you were going to name two players who you want to see play heads up, even though even if they're not the best players in the world right now, this is who you want to see yeah. go heads up for $10 million. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, as a reminder, we are on iTunes. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. Let us know what's going on here. You can get the full stories of all of these th- stories that we've been talking about here at thelines.com, playpennsylvania.com, legalsportsreport.com, and also on onlinepokerreport.com. I want to thank Dustin Galker and Eric Ramsey for joining me. Eric, if people want to find you on the Twitter machine, how would they do that? 
they would look for Eric underscore Ramsey, E-R-I-C. You should do that. Great follow. And again, we're sending him all over the place to all these exotic locations where he is buying condos and he's going to live part times of the year and report from. So uh, good stuff there. And Forbes contributor, Dustin Galker, how they find you on the Twitter machine. Dustin Galker, G-O-U-K-E-R. Perfect. And I am at Matt Brown M2, the letter M, the number two. Guys, thanks for joining us here for episode 12. We'll be back next week.